Welcome to episode 66 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Will Strom. He's an avid outdoorsman who's wrestled with substance abuse. Will has climbed the mountains throughout the Cascades, including Mount Adams and St. Helens. We talk on his transition from substance abuse to pursuing the rugged peaks and valleys of the Northern Cascades. The archetypical relationship between purpose, suffering, and bliss is fascinating to me. Overcoming addiction is a Herculean challenge, and I admire anybody who rises to the occasion. Will Strom is a great guy, and it was a joy to listen to his story. I'll play you in with a track by All One called My Answer, produced by Tantu Beats. You can check it out on Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud. I'll be sure to drop the link in the show notes. So without any further ado, here's my pal Will Strom. Irrelevant bastard developed a hell of a standard. Stand in a hell, understand when I tell him I've seldom been sadder. It's no embellishment, candor, this fellow that fell in his damn sword. One with a double edge, cunning and cutting edge, glutton for punishment. Something is puzzling, coming undone again. Been on the fucking edge, compelled to jump from it. He has unraveled. Hung jury, bungee neck, heartbeat is a gavel. Judgments have pummeled him. Punting has crumpled a bucket list, slash all the junk from it. Underfunded, underslept, upset, set up with its cousin death. Head clouded in a mushroom sense. Head trip, wired, destructive mess. Crazy neurons, paint a collage, paint a mirage, making you strong, brains over brawn. Break all the bonds, silver tongue, saying it wrong. Golden boy takes on the bonds, hates his fault. Be and hopeless, no grace in the fall. Clouds are aligning, I've chosen, his silence is golden. My lips are closed, and my eyelids are open. I die of exposing naked truths, I have been clothed in. I have been cold, yes. But your body been frozen, posed in lotus, posed and focus. Mindfulness notions, trying to cope with psychic implosions. I hate on myself, I am making the cut. When they pay me a cut, I am making enough. Maybe making these cuts, I stay with well, Accessory to a crown, martyring yourself as you bled everything out. Village idiot cries, lone wolf for attention of the town. Doubting the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. Hey, how you feeling? Haven't felt like myself is my answer. Who's gonna make it? Haven't felt like myself is the answer. Hey, how you feeling? Haven't felt like myself is my answer. Who's gonna make it? Haven't felt like myself is the answer. I intelligent bastard developed in dwelling disaster. Selfishly pampered the health of his hazards. Delicate delving in stances like eloquent hampers. Swelling his damn hurt. Demographic on a good day is a wallflower bouquet. Who make it to see Bruce play when anxiety is too great? Too great for thousands of hugs. Expounding on love from a powerful bunch. I'm not sure my parents are proud of the sun. Not drowning in funds. Not out for the sums. But wow, much am a power foul I've run. I can't take a chick out to a lunch. All in all, all put his all into every album I've done. Art felt deserted. My brainstorm shower the dust over. A vain page will devour the blood that may get red When it's game time stage off, I may connect With the crowd from the jump, they're my safety net From my grave descent, I'm plagued with stress No patience left, I can't pay my rent No main event, and I mainly vent Got an aching chest, there's a stutter in my lungs when I take a breath Am I making sense? Every rose has its accessory to a crown Martyring yourself as you bled everything out Village idiot cries, lone wolf for attention of the town Doubting the benefit of the benefit of the doubt Hey, how you feeling? Haven't felt like myself is my answer. Who's gonna make it? Haven't felt like myself is the answer. Hey, how you feeling? Haven't felt like myself is my answer. Who's gonna make it? Haven't felt like myself is the answer. I ain't never get back to the yelling for help and a clamor. Crammed in a shell like a clamory, jammed in a jelly of amber. Dwelling unwell in a cellar, a cell that he's selling himself as a shelter. He asked for him buys at a voluntary assignment, a solitary confinement. No drama, everyone likes him, a problem steadily bind him. Coming in terms of age, like, geez, my head is balding. No connections in my direction, like my GPS is faulty. Fall out with my calling, call out for she who never calls me. Vaguely creepy sense of taunting, lately demons tend to haunt me. Every rose has 
Just accessory to a crown Martyring yourself as you bled everything out Village idiot cries Lone wolf for attention of the town Doubting the benefit of the benefit of the doubt Hey, every rolling has its accessory to a crown Martyring yourself as you bled everything out Village idiot cries Lone wolf for attention of the town Doubting the benefit of when I was 12, I, I overdosed, and then um, uh, on like, well, I had alcohol poisoning, and then I overdosed taking, uh, um, it, it was cold medicine powder, and then I took like lower tabs, and there's just a whole a whole mess of things, and my family, they, they've never really had any <clears throat> kind of hobbies except from like partying and consuming from, you know, movies and <laughs> stuff like that, like very topical things. Um and so uh, being like an angsty kid and trying to prove myself, I, I just found myself essentially alone and in a ditch <laughs> and right. struggled with angst throughout my whole childhood trying to figure things out. And for me personally, I, I started finding different things to get into that I can explore my passion and um, really push myself. Um, so what was it like for you to get into substances? Like, uh, did you just party a lot when you were youngest? Well, it was more of, I, I just never felt comfortable in my own skin as a kid for some reason. Um, and, uh, and I was curious, my dad drank every single day and, uh, he seemed really happy. So I, when I was 13, I got into it and I took some of his, uh, whiskey and, and I, and then I, I felt how I imagined other people just felt all the time. Like I just felt happy and comfortable and content, you know. And then, uh, and it quickly, the alcohol wasn't enough, and I started getting into other things when I was probably 16 or so, mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of stimulants and stuff at that point. And with that, did you have any, like, uh, role models or anything who, who, uh, who, who were doing, excelling at, like, interests that you had or peripheral interests? Not really. As a kid, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I, I liked sports and stuff, you know, I, um, I really liked playing sports. I liked playing outside and, uh, typical, you know, like playing Nintendo and, you know, um, things like that, but I didn't have anything that I was really crazy about, you know what I mean? So it just became mm-hmm. about party. I, I was really, you know, I wanted, uh, girls, you know, as many as I could have, and what helped me talk to girls was drinking. I, I got drunk before school in ninth grade um, to build up the nerve to talk to this girl that I like, <laughs> and I'm getting suspended from school in ninth grade for drinking. Um, so it's just, it was just all about partying all through my teen years and just uh, getting as loaded as I could. And was there any moment where you uh, where you've reflected reflected on those choices that you were making and that you were doubting the the path that you're going on or was it just full steam ahead at the time i i couldn't even think you know i couldn't plan ahead i wasn't thinking about tomorrow i was just thinking about right then and there and how i was feeling in that moment um you know other kids were planning a little bit for their futures and what they're going to do about college and sports and stuff i just i was just all about that day, you know, it wasn't, uh, I just, uh, that was all I was concerned about. <laughs> well, was there a, was there a moment in which you noticed that you were being less impulsive, um, 
in thinking about what your life in like the long term perspective or or did it just um happen unnoticeably over time? It was just happening over time. I mean it was just uh you know, I was partying a lot and it just things started getting progressively worse and worse and then next thing I know I you know, I was uh doing coke and smoking crack at 19 and I, I got a, you know my first felony when I was 19 years old and and then at that point it was just it was just a day to day just uh, survival mode at that point just uh, mm-hmm. just trying to survive day to day with when you're going through that what was like if you were to if you were to see someone in that similar situation what do you wish, or what would you have done to help them? That's yeah. I, I think about that. I think about. I look back, think about what I could have done differently. And because um, yeah, I've got a little girl now, and I don't want her to experience those things and go through those things. So yeah, so I think about what I would tell her if you know if she started going down that path. And I, um, it's it's hard because in that moment, I remember my mom. She. She was going to send me off to Job Corps um, when I was 17 or so and just out of control. And I, I mean, I told her, no, absolutely not. I'm not going. I, I, would, I mean, I feel like if in my late teen years, I would would have needed to be, like, forcibly uh, restrained somewhere. I was just so <laughs> uncomfortable and out of control. I just, I just, I don't, I don't know that I could have willingly... I feel like it had to have started, it would, you know, a change would have started, like, earlier when I was maybe 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. Getting into something, you know, whether it be sports or just getting, having something to do, you know. Like, now it's exercise and hiking, something that I just love, and that's what I, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and do you feel like doing, like, exercise and hiking um, taps into the the similar or similar stimulus or um desires yeah. that yeah yeah absolutely mm. does yeah yeah i get i get especially if, if i'm on a, a, a long uh hike by myself i would get the mountains there's something about the mountains that does something to me that creates the, the, the euphoria euphoria that's similar to like heroin i mean to me it's just it creates this and sometimes like i'll be hiking by myself, and I'll get so overcome with happiness that I'll just I'll just start laughing, and you know, I mean, like it just it just it, it does something to me that uh, you know I wish I would have discovered a long time ago because the consequences are aren't are a lot better now. And uh, did your family have any experience hiking or anything like that? My dad used to. Uh, my dad actually climbed Mount Rainier back in the seventies when he was. Whoa. Yeah, when he he was just him and him and his brother. They just like spontaneously just went and just did it. Um, but uh, he he liked to go fishing hunting a lot uh, when he was younger. When I like you know I I don't remember him doing much of that. We went camping a few times when I was a little kid, but you know uh, like in my teenage years, I, he just kind of he mellowed out a lot and didn't really get out much. Mm-hmm. And were there any, uh, like, school programs uh, that would have introduced you to that, like, 
in your community at large? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I would imagine that there were. I just, there was nothing that I knew about. And I didn't even, I, I wasn't, I wasn't as into it then as I am now, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's something that, uh, probably would have been great if I didn't know about it. I struggle with that often because I, I always look at it like I have my son and um, I look back at my choices and my son's mother's choices and I wonder what that light switch was and obviously it's so hard and it's so individual right um, but I had the I found out that I loved the wilderness so much so that I'm surprised I didn't realize it sooner and I wonder how do I expose my son, not just to the wilderness, because he might, you know, be interested in other things. So how might I expose him to a plethora of what life has to offer so he can find the things that really do satisfy him? Mm-hmm. And and through that, I, I've learned a lot about my own self because I'm finding more things that fulfill me as well and give my life meaning. Um, but I don't know where, like, if I were to intervene in my community now, whether it's uh, teaching children how to do jujitsu or um, volunteering at my son's school, how I can be an influence um, so that people can have role models to make different choices. Because I've seen like a whole town proliferated with uh, just rampant um, abuse of substances. And not just, you know, like, you know, what an average kid uh, would do for fun here and there to test their limits. I, I mean, like literal, just taking, um, Suboxone and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, what, 40, 50% of my class would? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, that's, that's really important just to get kids. Uh, you know, I, I get my daughter out there. I have her come hike with me and she'll say she doesn't want to go, but then I'll take her out there and she'll have a blast. And she loves it. Mm-hmm. She's saying she wants to go camping and she wants to, you know, so, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like that's, um, I kind of wish my dad had done more of that with me, um, you know, kind of exposed me to more. He would ask me if I want to do something, I said, no, so he just let it go, and then he just, you know, go watch, uh, go watch the baseball game or whatever, but, uh, like, my mom, she got my little sister into every activity under the sun when she was mm. a kid. And uh, everything. She was just busy, go, go, go. And now she's got a master's degree. She's uh, uh, lives a great life. You know, she's uh, you know she's doing great. Uh, she has lots of things she's into. And I, I feel like that. You know, I think kids are just bored. They're left to just kind of sit there with video games or on their phone or whatever. They just get bored and they they want something to you know a little excitement. So they. I mean, that's what I used to do. Me and my I had this one friend. We would just go. Get into trouble just because we were bored, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I completely agree. That's where I was at. Is I was bored and I had no, you know, outlet. I'd look at people do even mountain biking on TV, and I'm like, "Wow, it's so cool!" And for some reason, I had a bit of separateness where it's like, "That's cool. What they can do." However, I never yeah. made a connection that. Oh, I can aspire to do that too. Yeah. Um, and I find it an interesting relationship between order and chaos, where if like if, if you were to to try to you know have complacency or to do everything that's do things that are not challenging, right? Um, 
or you're to avoid chaos. I feel like it almost finds you in some fashion. Whereas, like, I meet, I have a lot of friends now in their adulthood and they struggle with addiction still. And, um, there's no G over there. Um, and I don't know how to help them because in the sense that I have, um, I would try to, I would try to help them and intervene in their life it would actually cause more issues for both them and I. Um, and the thing that that I'd always look at was like, the avoidance of doing anything difficult. Because, like, if you were to do uh, martial arts or even um, hiking, um, and I know there's some holes in it, but if you were to eat a bunch of ice cream and you feel like crap and you woke up the next day or at the end of the day you would go to the class or you'd go hike up a mountain, um, it would interfere with your experience. And you do that thing because you love it so much, so much so that the little addictions and distractions become easier to um, handle. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. They made a mistake. And, and that's why I find, like, it's interesting that that principle is, is um, what – Easy choices, hard life, hard choices, and easy life. And Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. For me, it's, I got to get out of my comfort zone a little bit, you know, and I, I'm always glad I did, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. Now, yeah. Go ahead. But just, yeah, just, just doing, doing something like this with you is something that I never in the past, <laughs> I just I immediately <laughs> been like, no, man, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But, but it's, it's mm-hmm. something that you know. It's uh, you know, it, if, if my story can help someone somehow, you know, it's I mean, that's what it's all about. It's like you know, I didn't uh, go through everything I went through for no reason at all. I went through it to, uh, you know, I've got the experience now to pass on and help others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because having uh, role models or people who, who've made it, you know, through the other side of these experiences is important because um, usually people would tell, like, you know, a picture-perfect thing. You'd see, uh, I don't know, an artist or someone who does business, a mountaineer, and they're like, you know, this is how it all worked out, and it looks, you know, wonderful from the outside. However, you don't see, like, the darkness that kind of hides behind it, and I think there's a certain level of darkness that we all experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've been working, working in, I work in a restaurant, I bartend, and I, Work with a lot of younger people in their twenties and stuff. People that uh, definitely struggle with substances and addiction, and, but yet they, you know, they're able to function still. They can make it to work. They're miserable, but they make it to work. I, I whereas me, I, I'm grateful that I was such a mess that I could not function as an addict. Because that's why I had to get clean and sober. Because if I wanted to function, I have to be clean. Whereas some people, like my dad, he functioned his whole life until he. He died. I mean, he finally died from alcohol withdrawal. But um, mm-hmm. until then, he was he functioned his whole life and drank all the time. But um, but uh, yeah, there's these, these young people that you know, and I, you know, I'm able to tell them my story and and uh, you know, and how I was when I was when I was going through all that, and they're able to look at me now and see that it is possible to come out on the other side. Exactly, and then you you see the, the path, at least a relative 
half on how to get out. Um, and it, it is hard because I've met people where, like, actually I know I have someone in my mind right now where they are struggling with addiction. Their whole life is uh, falling apart. Um, but then their parents' lives aren't. However, their parents have been like severe alcoholics their whole life, and this person's a severe alcoholic. However, it's it's like you know turning into multiple arrests and stuff like that, and um, and it's just it, it's surprising to me because I I feel bad for the parents because it's like well you're just gonna do this you know all of your life and you know get up go to work uh, drink on the weekends and then rinse lather repeat and at the same time I feel bad for uh, the, the person, the child, their children, because just sitting there struggling with addiction. However, they're they're in the midst of you know legal issues and family issues, and it's just like man, it's standing apart. And I don't understand the difference between that either. Like you know why some people can't handle um, to be a functional addict, and other people it's like dysfunctional addiction. You know. have any issues um not going or going back to taking substances again like is there an allure to it there's really not because i because i at this point it's, i mean it's i know what happens every single time i tried i i tried every i tried to control i tried to just drink i tried to just you know just use certain drugs i tried I tried, like, I, I mean, there's just, there's no other way to do it. Like, I just, I feel like I tried every single way. There's no way. It, it, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that if I, if I were to just have a beer, you know, I, maybe after, after two, I would be looking for some drugs and some other drugs. Like, there's just, there's just no doubt in my mind. I feel like that's, that, that was a struggle for me for so many years was just feeling like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this time it's going to be different. This time I'll, you know, you know, I, I, I'm just going to have a couple beers. The next thing you know, I I have a couple beers, and then I get some coke, and then I'm hiding in a crawl space in my house for eight hours, paranoid. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and it would happen over and over and over again. And I had this, and I couldn't cut back. I, I actually had this gal recently message me and ask me for tips on stopping drinking. So I said, okay. I, I said, you really want to stop, or are you just trying to cut back? She said she just wants to cut back. Well, I, I can't help with that. I don't know how to do that. I tried that for years. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's no cutting back for me. So Yeah. You know, it's, it's all or nothing. And so you're a bartender, and then um, how do you – is that difficult for you to serve alcohol and not drink alcohol? It's really not at all because it's just like I said. It's I know I know what happens every time I put alcohol in my body, so I just I don't drink it. I have no problem serving. I, I enjoy making drinks. I like making really good cocktails, and uh, you know mm-hmm. I like you know in, in the restaurant I work at. It's not people aren't really necessarily getting hammered there, you know, all the time taking shots and stuff too much, but. Um, you know, they're just having a couple cocktails with dinner, but um, but yeah, I, I I like doing it. When I first started serving a few years ago, 
There was. I didn't. I, I remember holding a beer and just looking at it, and it bothered me. But uh, but these days, I'm just I'm used to it now. It just doesn't even faze me. When people come and and ask you for help, um, what advice do you usually give them when they're when they're ready to make those choices? Well, I mean, it it depends on where they're at and what uh, you know what exactly they're asking for. If they want to get clean and sober for good, I'll, I'll direct them to, you know, uh, an AA meeting for sure is certainly uh, a good step, but uh, basically, hey, I'll just ask them what, uh, you know, why why they want to stop, what kind of uh, negative consequences they're experiencing, and um, if they really want to do it, I, I just tell them what I did, you know, it's just uh, go to meetings and uh, just... It's you know it's really as simple as just taking it one day at a time. Just don't do it today. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. something I still do. It's like I, I I'm not gonna sit. You know, my wife will ask me, if, you know, when we're in our 80s if we can have a drink together, and I I don't know. I, I don't like to th- you know it's, it's think I'm gonna go the rest of my life without using any. I just I'm just gonna go today. I'm not gonna do it today. No problem. You know that's what I've been doing mm-hmm. for six years now. And I'm gonna just do it again today, and I'll see what happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. It's that those baby steps and that's a way so that it doesn't get too overwhelming. Exactly, people. Yeah, it, you know, and I used to make it way too complicated and overthink it, and it's just, it's just, you know, it's just to keep it really simple and easy. That way, it's not stressful. Because mm-hmm. it, sh- it shouldn't be being sober and living a sober, healthy life shouldn't be stressful. It should be. It should be fun and relaxing, you know, that's that's what I try to do today. Mm-hmm. And is there, uh, whenever you've had, like, hard times in the past or you were overthinking it, um, what's the self, what does the self-talk look like? Or what are your coping strategies? Uh, well, just that uh, <clears throat> whatever I'm going through, I just, I know... But it's going to pass. Whatever stress or depression or sadness or fear, whatever I'm feeling, I just write it out. That's what I tell myself. Just, just write it out. Just, you know, it's, it's, I'm just like I'm riding a wave of unhappiness and it'll go away and I'll be happy again later. I mean, it's, it's, it's really that simple. It's just, you know, the feelings we have are just chemicals in our brain. You know what I mean? It's not, um, I mean, it's just, it's our reality. It's not, uh, uh, it's something, like I said, it's, just, it's something that's just, it's going to pass. Mm-hmm. It's just going to brave the storm. Yeah. And just, you just have hope for, you know, it's it's just about having hope. Uh, my my brother committed suicide right after I got clean and sober. I, just, I tried to imagine what he was, he was, I'm pretty sure he was blacked out drunk uh, when he did it, but I tried to imagine what... <clears throat> what he was going through and how hopeless he must have felt because I, I mean I've been I've been down before you know and, and what's ironic I used to call him when I was really down and over it and wanting to die I would call him and he would talk me out of it he would say you know it's permanent solution to temporary problems you're going to be okay just you know just you know and and, uh, and I would take his advice so I just so it's, it's hard for because like I said, there's, there's always there's always hope for me now. Whatever's going on, there's always hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You know. 
what benefits do you get out of going to like AA meetings? Is it a sense of community or what? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I haven't been I haven't been in a couple of years uh, um, for no reason other than just you know being busy with work and hiking and stuff. <laughs> but but um, I, I feel like at first it's uh, there's benefits of being accountable to other people, you know, um, and uh, just having an outlet, being able to share and and um, having something to do, really, is, is a big part of just having something to do. They have cookouts, softball games, and barbecues, uh, lots of fun stuff like that. But today, I, I keep meaning to go. I want to go. Uh, one of the last times I went, I went to a treatment center. I was able to share a little bit of my story at a treatment center, and that's, that's something I really want to do because I, I remember I went to, I went through maybe like 10 different treatment centers, and um and I remember sitting there and just feeling, starting to feel hopeless and depressed. And here I am again. It sucks. This is never going to work. But I can remember people coming in with, you know, looking all bright-eyed and happy and telling their story. And that was really helpful. So that's something I really want to, I really want to do is go, um, go to a meeting at a treatment or a detox center. But, um, yeah, so today it's all about just sharing my experience uh, with others, with the newcomer, with, with the person who's still struggling just letting know it's if i can do it anybody like literally anybody can do it (laughs) having those acts that um proof right before you can be so helpful i mean um you can even see people with the the mile i suppose i guess i don't want to draw the the comparison between addiction and running a mile however when people saw the uh the guy run that uh Four minute mile for the first time, then everyone was able to do it after the fact. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Once you see what's possible, what's in front of you, I, I would imagine it opens your eyes. Um, Absolutely. How do you? How would you handle someone who, like, ethically, morally, um, and as a friend, who would come up to you, like you said, that girl did, where um, they want they want help. Mm-hmm. However, they just want to cut back a bit. Obviously, they're not ready. Like, would you just cut that person off until they just to um, until they are ready, or would you intervene in some fashion? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't cut them off. I just. Uh, I just really. I, I, this was just very recent. This was like today. I haven't gotten back to it yet, but I think you know. I, I you know, in this situation, I'll just uh, you know say well. Good luck with that. That never works for me. You can, you know, try it, try it, see what happens. I mean, that's all you can do is say, okay, try it. I mean, I can't force anybody to do anything. There are people I, I've tried to, you know, tell them what to do or, you know, try to take control, and it, it doesn't work. Well, they're going to do what they're going to do. I remember people doing it with me, trying to trying to take control of me and telling me what to do, and I just, you know, I, w- I was going to do what I was going to do, so I just I feel like I just got to kind of, guide people a little bit and tell them my experience, but I can't force them onto a certain path. So, so you know, <laughs> that, that's that's a, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're fine. Oh, uh, yeah, there, I, there are a lot of people, everybody, everybody knows me, knows that I'm sober. So there people, it's very common for someone to come to me and say, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. They always want to come tell me that they're not going to drink anymore, which is, which is fine, so I say, okay, you know, 
And uh, I'll see if they're receptive to any advice or whatever, and, and uh, if they are, great. But if not, I just say, okay, let me know how it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I struggle with that just because people will come to me for help um, in very topical or uh, what is it, immediate ways, things that won't help them in the long term, however they're like. Um, but they're not ready to quit. And right. My, I think it's, I mentioned this earlier, my first um, action would be to pry further and be like, no, these are all the reasons why, and like, I just need to convince you, and I have these answers, and it's just like, wow, that makes it so much worse, like, you're telling someone how wrong their choices are, and now it's like this added relationship, and it's the worst for both of you. Um, right. However, I do also feel bad at some point, especially when people are close to me, it's like, okay, you're just going to use these substances chronically um, in a way that is destructive to your life. And every time that you, um, like the tide, comes in and out, or when the tide comes in and you have trouble um, and you're not adamant of making the actual changes that you need, just the temporary ones to alleviate the pain, um, all I can do is only keep the door open for when you're actually ready. Otherwise, there's nothing else I can do. And... That's hard sometimes. Exactly. It is. It, yeah. mm-hmm. and, but it's nice to know somebody who's gone through those experiences and has also dealt with people who are going through those experiences or trying to come out of them. And and you see that as well because sometimes I doubt myself where it's like, well, am I, real, am I just being too, um, too prudent or am I just being too protective of myself? Um, but it's a nice reminder that People are at their own places, you know, and you just kind of got to let people, some people walk out their paths. Right. And, and if you were to see uh, someone who appears to be a lifetime addict and they're very close to you, um, what would you try to um, set up some boundaries with them uh, or would you look for creative ways to pull them out of that situation? I've got a, I've got a, Good friend who uh, he was he was my he was actually my sponsor at one point um, years back and he he made it to six years clean and his his brother actually passed away and he started using again he's been u- using ever since and that was probably man it's probably been ten years now and uh, last I heard he was using I I mean I. Yeah, I, I don't have any contact with him now. I talked to a mutual friend a couple of years ago, and she told me what was going on with him. And she asked me if I wanted his number, and and I said no. I just don't, uh, you know. I in that situation, it's a case by case thing. And in this, in that situation, he's, you know, this guy. I feel like he's made up his mind. You know, I mm-hmm. um, if he if he were to reach out to me, I would talk to him. But you know, I. You know, with him, I feel like he's, unfortunately, he's uh, he's decided that using is just the way to go for him, you know. He, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, uh, it's not any good for him. He knows that, but I just feel like he's, he's given up. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to reach out to him and try to say it, because my first instinct was, okay, i got to get out there and tell him I'm doing great, and then he needs to go to a meeting with her. But, it's, you know, it, it, unfortunately, it doesn't always work like that, so... You know, mm-hmm. I just have to wait for him to, I hope that he'll reach out to me someday. Yeah, exactly. 
and just always leaving that door open for when they want to make those necessary steps to show that they are ready. Yeah, um, yeah it's how my dad, he's uh, he's been a tweaker since I was a kid, and like off and on. And to the point to where he's like, obviously not dead, um, but that's a very difficult thing to manage. It's like, do I develop a relationship with this guy? It's like, I'll see you if you're sober, and then we will be, you know, friendly, and it'll be as if we we're just two people um, just trying to enjoy people's, each other's company and leave it there? Or is it like, do I just completely set, and it's a completely individual case-by-case basis, but do I completely separate myself from you and only decide to spend time with you once you've been clean of this thing? And, like, the the reason why I bring that up is because I actually, probably 70% of the people that I'm close to have a very similar thing that goes on in their own family. And it's it's very surprising how um, how many people, you know, have this issue with either their parents or someone close to them in that sense. And it's like, they're deep in the, the grips of addiction. However, it's like, do I, you know, provide this open space so that we can communicate despite your um, this path that you're taking, or do I cut you off and leave the door open? Or not cut you off, but just leave the door open for communication and um, you know activity and assistance when you're ready. It's, it's a very hard thing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, I, 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 people do that to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had some people cut me off completely, and it still won't speak to me today, which is, you know, that's that's understandable. I used to do a lot of dirty, rotten things when I was in active addiction, but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had a lot of people, uh, I mean, my own family, for their own safety and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. cut me off for a while until, you know, some of my family didn't trust me for a couple of years after I got sober and for a good reason. Yeah, and when you were not sober, though, did that make the situation worse for you personally, or was there at least some sort of understanding there? Um, how so? Um, like, sometimes, so when I have a... A friend, and they're talking to me about like their abuse or whatever, and they're deep in the grip of it. And they come up to me, and they were they were to talk to me about it. I to borrow money, and I'm like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I don't think we're going to be able to hang out just because of you know the, the choices that you make. I, I try to do different things, and then they'd like uh, lash out and feel ostracized. And so I've seen some people plunge deeper into that because now. They're like they're wrapped up in shame and stuff like that, and now they're alone. yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's for me anyway. That was just part of the process because I mm-hmm. I screwed over everybody that would speak to me, especially the people that were closest to me. I hurt them the worst, and I I was lying to everybody. I didn't even know what the truth was anymore. Like I in the very in the very end of it, I was I was living in a swamp, and I. I was telling everybody that I was clean and sober. I was, uh, uh, my, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, but, um, she was pregnant with our daughter. I was telling her that I was sober and she needed to take me back. And I was starting out in the swamp. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah. Nothing was good. And I, I was, I was so alone because I was lying. I was the only person on the planet that knew the truth that I was a mess. I could not stop. 
I got kicked out of another treatment center for using, and uh, nobody knew. And that's when I I was so just, you know, and people, most of my family, my, my mom was still, was still speaking to me, but that was barely, you know, just to make sure I was alive. Um, my wife, she, you know, she was barely speaking to me. She was about to have our daughter any day, and I just, I... I, I I got really deep down, and I decided I decided I was done. I I decided I was done, and I got as many drugs as I could: Xanax, heroin, and, and uh, I posted on Facebook. Okay, thanks everybody. Been real. I'm leaving, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, it's just I'm I'm alone, and I can't do this anymore. And uh, and I. Uh, snorted a bunch of Xanax, I did a bunch of heroin, and I, I passed out in the swamp, and I woke up, I woke up somehow, a few hours later, and I, I feel like, and I don't know, I, I shouldn't have woken up from that, I feel like, um, but somehow I just, I woke up, and I still had a needle sticking out of me, and typically when you, you know, when you do a shot and you drop, the needle's still in you, usually you die at that point, but, um, I woke up, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and cool. um yeah and I um uh, I, I wanted to go get into more trouble I didn't know what to do with myself I woke up I was not expecting to wake up I didn't know what to do with myself so I went and got a fifth of vodka and drank it and I ended up uh uh driving off in someone else's car and that's when I got arrested that was uh, June 24th 2012 um I got arrested for the final cool. time and uh that and then my daughter was actually born that day too, so I was my uh, sobriety date is her birthday. Um which is kinda cool. But uh yeah. Yeah. Um but um, Yeah, I've got it I've got the date tattooed on my arm. But uh, Aww. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh I I spent four months in jail and three months of treatment and then uh for some reason, um uh, my daughter's mom took me back, and <laughs> we've been wow. together ever, ever since. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, it worked out good. So, uh, it was and was treatment pretty effective for you? Like, did did you? Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, like the first the first couple times. I feel like it was, but, but by the last time it was, it, it was, uh, it was not a very nice, uh, treatment center. It was, um, you know, it was a court ordered, uh, EOC mm-hmm. prison style treatment center, um, in Chehalis that, uh, I mean, it, lots of people were using drugs in there. It really wasn't, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, things, I feel like everything happens for a reason. I feel like there was a reason I was there. Um, uh, feel like it at the time, but, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, you know, I, uh, it did its job. I got out and, and, uh, going to meetings and mm-hmm. I was having to take UAs like I think twice a week for probation and stuff. So that, uh, you know, and I just, I, I knew I, in like, like I said, my brother had just passed away and I just, I, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I was just, I was just, I was just ready. I was re- just ready to be done. Mm-hmm. You just felt like you're at that moment. You can tell. 
miserable or the fact that it was going to kill you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, when I was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I feel like, the, well, the initial shock of when I went in front of the judge the last time, he called me a career criminal and uh, gave me a, just a ridiculously, like, the bail he said was just insane. And, and, you know, I mean, it made it made sense, but but it just hearing, hearing the number he said, getting that number and hearing him call me a career criminal, and then looking at I don't know how much time I was looking at, like five years in prison or something. And uh, I mean, it was a it was a wake up. It was like, okay, this is you know, I'm 31 years old. This you know, this waking up dope sick in jail just it's not cute anymore. Like it was in my 20s. It's like it's time to grow up. This is ridiculous. This is, I don't want to be. And I'd see a lot of, I'd meet a lot of people in jail that, you know, that's just what they did. They were in and out of jail and, you know, that's just what they did. I just, I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to know my daughter. I wanted to be there for my family and, and, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of like 50-50 really because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when my brother passed, like my mom said, okay, well, I, I need you now. You know, so I, you know, I just decided, okay, all right, all right, I'm going to do this. And then, and honestly, it was for other people. At first, it was for, I was doing it for DOC to not go to prison. I was doing it for my my wife, Katie, because I, I needed a place to live, and I wanted to be with her and my daughter, you know, um, doing it for my mom and my sisters because they lost my brother, and so... At first, it was yeah. I was that's why I was doing it. But I figure, you know, <clears throat> whatever, whatever. There's no bad reason to stay clean. So that's just that's what I did mm-hmm. until I, uh, you know, learned to started finding out who I am. And now it's for me. Now I, I you know, I, I I enjoy myself now. You know, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that must be such a such a huge relief to be able to have that thing where you yeah. have that feeling where you can enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, I, I'm still finding out, like, I didn't know who I was for, I didn't know what I liked to do for fun, I didn't know anything about myself, and now it's like I, you know, I'm, I'm it's, you know, I'm in my 30s, but I feel like, I feel like I'm like 19 years old, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, just, I'm experiencing, I'm feeling emotions and uh, finding out what I love, and uh, how I like to spend my time and who I am. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a trip. <laughs> that is so cool, man. And it's interesting, too, because, I mean, after you do these, these trips and stuff, like the, just the amount of the suffering that you experience for the, for the joy of the thing is hard at first, I would 
at least when you first get into it, like you get into hiking, right, or backpacking. And, I mean, for mm-hmm. some it can be a daunting, intimidating experience. Um, mm-hmm. You're, you know, stuck in the elements. You have to hike. It, it might be in the heat. So you're going to be hot the whole time, sweating. However, like, it's almost flip-flop because, you know, when you get hammered or when you were to do, you know, any other, uh, well, not every other drug, but a lot of the drugs, there's, you know, a euphoria and then a heart come down. Whereas you're doing these other experiences and usually anyways, it's the other way around where it's like, some type of uh, discomfort, initial discomfort, and then alleviation of that discomfort to euphoria. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I'm at a place now where it's like, so for some reason, like I, I kind of, I mean, there are moments where I'm hiking, I'm going up, and I'm thinking, why, why am I, why am I doing this? <laughs> it's just, yeah. Are there, are there hobbies that are easier? You know, I can collect stamps or something. You know, but, but. uh I'm at a point now where it's like I kind of enjoy. I was going up to Camp Muir the other day and going up that snowfield, and it's no joke, and it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty steep and long. And <laughs> but I was enjoying it. I was I was I, I just get you know my endorphins are going. I, I'm getting a good workout. And I'm like hell yeah, bring it on. You know, give me some, mm-hmm. give me some more. I want some more. You know. <laughs> Yeah. I enjoy the pain. Yeah, and then I I get to the top. And I'm like I just have a sense of accomplishment and and uh, man, it feels good. I get back down with the old pictures I took, and it's it's just mm-hmm. it's a good time. Yeah, and the reward for it, you know, you get hypertrophy, uh, muscle mm-hmm. being able to it gets easier the next time. You have stories for mm-hmm. it. Like if I would have known that when I was younger or because I think people were telling me that at least me and I know, I know other people too, but it was the way that it was told. If I was told it in a different way when I was younger, um, I don't know. I would have just hoped that I would have made those choices sooner, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. And I, yeah. I, one of the things that, that I think, uh, a lot of fun is having the opportunity though to take new people out into the outdoors and just to show them oh, the same yeah. reasons why I like it, you know. Oh yeah. And is yeah. there anything that you um, you'd like to uh, leave people with with a take as a takeaway before we close out the episode? Um. Well, just just uh, for anybody that's that's struggling, just. Uh, just never give up. Just never give up. Just uh, tomorrow's a new day. Just uh, there's always there's always something right around the corner, you know. Mm-hmm. There's always something good right around the corner. Um, and like I said, I, I just I I can't say it enough. If, if I can do it, if I can get clean and sober, I, I I didn't think it was possible. I thought that people who stopped using weren't real addicts. Is what I was convinced of. You know, because I. Mm-hmm. I you know, I after treatment centers in jail, I just I, I I want I wanted to stop. I went to my treat my first treatment center when I was 19 years old. I wanted to be sober, but I just couldn't do it. Um, so yeah, just don't give up, man. Just go after the things you want to do. I'm going to be uh, climbing Mount Adams in a few weeks. I never thought that was Ooh. possible. So yeah, yeah, I never thought 
I never saw myself doing anything like that cool ever. And I could do the enchantments, do St. Helens, and, you know, I get to do a lot of really cool shit now, and I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. And those adventures, I mean, they're the closest thing that you can get to, like, Indiana Jones, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, you just get out there and live it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that. Well, thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. We are drugs. I mean, every activity and interaction elicits a chemical response, triggering reward and suffering. Many things in moderation won't kill you. And those things will trigger different chemical signals in your body. People, to a varying degree, act out routines and ambitions to achieve a chemically driven goal. Sometimes we go awry and pursue chemical bliss despite the consequences. We can become alcoholics, caffeine fiends, binge eaters, tweakers, among many other things. What's even more common is the mild addiction that doesn't ruin your life, but is burdensome like the overeating, overdrinking, or athletic training despite an injury. But a lighter word that could mean the same thing, given the certain individual, is obsession. When, when you're obsessed with things such as exercise, you get hypertrophy. And if you're playing a game of being a um, competitive bodybuilder, right, or a powerlifter, martial artist, you obsessively fixate on those things. But you're rewarded by the chemicals that are produced endogenously with inside of you. It's interesting because the relationship is suffering and then chemical release. As opposed to the drug relationship, which is chemical release and then suffering. Or, to put it lightly, you know, a come down. doesn't really happen with all of them. I mean, weed's not that bad. And alcohol can be pretty bad. That hangover's rough. Um, like Molly is. Coke. I mean... Math, heroin, mushrooms isn't that bad. Ooh, that's just pretty interesting. Like psychedelics, sort of blast. But in choosing the games that we play to be able to achieve some sort of chemical contentment, it's an important thing to consider. And I don't know how to convey that message to children very well. It's not don't do drugs just choose wisely how you use the drugs thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast you can check out will strom on facebook and instagram um thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to support the show, uh please rate review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and you can also pick up a flat bill at a web store. And go check out All One Voice on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Bandcamp, and everywhere else that you find music.